Cosmic Canvas Studio presents What Lies Between Sleep. Welcome to Dreamlights, a sleep encouragement podcast. My name's Bernard Sanderson, and I'm excited to share some good news with everyone today. So, in my adventure of trying to track down the right information on this journey, I happened to come across a French auction website. With the power of guessing and PayPal, I was able to place an order for a copy of Dreams and Terror. Well, at least I thought I was placing an order for a copy. There were a few other books available for purchase, uh, one of which was like some really old leathery journal. Anyway... So I placed the order, and then realized as soon as I clicked the damn pay button that I somehow screwed up and put the journal into my cart. Yeah, you can't fault me for not paying attention to the words. They were all in French. I decided to wait for it to arrive so I could look through it before I returned it. I mean, the price point of this book was, uh, it was pretty high, but I figure, hey, get it, take a quick look, get a refund, nothing wrong with that, right? Well, fast forward three weeks and here I am. Sitting here with a journal that was actually written by Mr. Pierre Bouchard himself. And while I can't recognize any of the words in the journal due to, you know, it being in French, there is one word that I am seeing repeatedly throughout this old handwritten tome. That's right. It's Giallo. I'm gonna have to eat the price on this one because this is too, too good. It's not what I was trying to order, but it's exactly what I was looking for. I'm just gonna have to figure out how to translate this thing. Okay, so you can't just type a whole page verbatim into Google Translate and hope it works. This is not a modern French dialect. It comes out as pure gibberish with a few English words without any context. Nothing makes sense. I'm gonna have to keep working on this. I'll just be adding random snippets to this podcast episode as time goes along, so you're really gonna be listening to probably a few weeks of work in just one podcast. I'll keep you updated as I go. Bonjour. You will never guess what happened on my way to work this morning. I remember that I actually took half a year of French in high school. Well, before I dropped out of class because it was, you know, dumb. And also there was a girl in Spanish that I was hot for, so I switched classes to talk to her. As you guessed, that really didn't work out. Anyway, I did some digging and turns out that my old French teacher, Miss Bowler, she's still around. Not only is she still alive, but she also speaks French fluently, right? So, I took a gamble, called her up, and asked for her help. And you know what she said? Well, frankly, she didn't remember me at all. Which is a blessing, really, because that meant she didn't remember that I cut her class and told her that, quote, French is a language spoken by crepe-obsessed morons. Yeah, I was kind of a jerk in high school. Anyway, I told her that I was an investigative journalist now. Not a lie, mind you. And that I needed help translating an old journal that I had found. She was a little hesitant to take on the project and said she'd get back to me. Let's just hope she doesn't remember who I was and blindly agrees to what I want. So, my French teacher actually remembered me and called me up to lecture me about the value of the French language. She forced me to admit that yes, French would have fundamentally made my life far better than Spanish. After laughing about my antics in school, we got to talking and I actually shared my podcast with her. And, believe it or not, she actually listened to it. Her next call was, uh, it was stern, focused. She said all the usual things, that she was worried about my mental health, yada yada yada. 
So I made a wager with her. I told her that if she were to read this book in my hands, it would confirm separately what I was saying. If the book didn't confirm my words, then I'd go back to my doctor and tell him about my show and everything. This was a smooth maneuver for two reasons. First, I was pretty sure she was ready to call the authorities on me. I don't know if they'd be able to do anything to me legally, but I was pretty damn scared. Second, it'd get her to translate the book for me. She agreed, and I mailed the book this morning. I can't wait to hear what she finds. It's been two weeks since I sent her the book. Not a peep. Kinda worried at this point. She hasn't returned my calls, either. Three weeks of waiting, and I finally get a reply from her. She, uh, she burned the book, you guys. Told me never to contact her again. I, I don't know what to say at this point. I don't even know what to do. Clearly she found something, right? Or maybe she just thought the book would make me crazier? I don't know. She wasn't really clear about the reason. Here, let me read the text she sent. You can decide what it means. Bernard, this wasn't an easy decision to make. I burned the book. Do not call me. Do not text. Goodbye and good luck. It's the last part that bugs me. Good luck. Like she read something there that... I don't know. It just creeps me out. Three weeks of silence and, and now this? But don't think that old Bernard was caught off guard by this. I scanned each page before I sent it to her. Not because of insurance purposes, mind you. I was positive she was just going to read it and get back to me. No. I had it scanned because I found a translating service online. I figured I could just send them scans and get it back in a week's time fully translated. But it turns out their translators had a hell of a time with the dialect and requested a, uh, well, a quote that was higher than my rent. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm down, but not out. I still got the book. It's all on my hard drive. I just need to figure out how to translate this stupid thing. So. You know how everything in high school is such a drag, and you have trouble remembering anything at all because of how dumb it all seems? Turns out, I didn't have a learning disability, I just really hated school. Because I am learning French like crazy right now. Specifically, I'm learning how to read French from a guide written in the 1700s. Turns out that French was considered to be an important diplomatic language for a good while. So, I found a few resources that were popular study guides on this crappy language. And, I'm making serious strides. At least, in learning how to read it. That's the best part. You don't have to worry about things like diction or even how to pronounce words. You just need to learn how the language functions and what the words mean. I had a realization after my dear Miss Bowler decided to burn the evidence. No one is going to do this work for me. It seems like madness, and I'm just too broke for people to call me eccentric. If I can't pay someone to translate this, I'll just write the whole damnable thing myself. I don't expect this to be quick, but I will translate this book. Even if it kills me. After an exhausting three months, I believe I have developed somewhat of a key that lets me translate the areas surrounding the word giallo. Contextually, most of the excerpts make sense. At least the first few. In total, there are nine excerpts mentioning giallo, and I managed to get about four to the point where it makes sense to me. So, let's read it together, shall we? Entry 1. The Strange Place. It was on the first night of a November, past the third hour, when a woman bid me to allow her into my home. 
Glistening with eyes like stars, she carried a shifting paper in her hand. The parchment appeared as if it were writhing. I told her to leave me be. I am not a man easily seduced by the supernatural. And so she left. But each week she would return past the hour of three. And each week she would stay longer and longer outside my window. Why does a man have such dreams? I was under no great stress, but such a phantasm was persistent. Yet the strangest part of these dreams was that they occurred when I was waking. It is true that sleep had fled from me due to my many obligations of both study and preparation of medicine. I wondered, perhaps, had I fallen asleep. Yet, I never woke up after these visitations. Were they mere hallucinations meant to vex me? I did not know. Then, by the fifth month, after the confounding tapping on my window commenced yet again, I grew angered. Armed with a saber, I told that foul woman to leave me be lest I slay her. She insulted me, and gave me cause to open the window, so that I may strike down that strange and silvery woman. A cruel wind blew me back, and the silver creature laughed at my efforts. She thrust the writ into my hand and told me that I was to be invited into the King of Quaride. And then she vanished, leaving me to my lonesome. The parchment contained a recipe, a combination of ingredients. I have written them here. And he's got a few diagrams, an illustration of a milk thistle, and a few other ingredients. Dosages and everything. Here's the golden word, folks. Passage to Giallo, written above the ingredients. Passage to the court of King Quaride. That was just entry one. Unbelievable, right? It gets better. Since it's a journal, he goes into talking more about his financial problems at the time. Uh, apparently, he was having an issue with some kind of drought affecting the land that he owned. Anyway, I didn't bother to translate anything past that until I got to another section mentioning either Giallo, Quaride, or the Silver Draft. Entry 2. Upwards. When one awakens in the morning, and the paper remains, what is one to think? There were many earthly woes for me to attend, but thankfully my merciful uncle was more than happy to take the estate into his care for now, and with a generous allowance from his coffers, I am free now to pursue my own curiosities, namely that of medical science and the progression of mankind. But what is progress if not exploration? Discovery. The recipe and the invitation. The strange supernatural nature of the silver woman. All of these are like... Sorry, I couldn't translate this phrase here. It's some kind of idiom. I don't know what it means. Moving on. It is my intention, with the aid of my servant Henry, to explore what this recipe could mean. As an apothecary, my evaluation is that none of these ingredients are poisonous. A combination would do little other than to allow for restful sleep. But there is a curiosity in one ingredient. The way that the milk thistle is prepared, it is an extraction method I have not seen before. I shall do as instructed. I shall see what lies within the court of Quaride. Well, that's the end of the second excerpt and the beginning of our first actual break. Welcome back to the English to French show, where all we do is ramble on about crepes. Alright, let's get to part three. The Voyage. It is both cruel and unwise to force your assistant to undertake an effort meant for you. Cruel because they are helpless and at your disposal. Unwise because they very well could become famous for their bravery. History remembers explorers. It forgets financiers. And so, I opted to undertake the first drink of the Silver Draft. Passage to Giallo, it said. Was that the fairy realm, the place where the Silver Woman and her ilk rested? There was but a hope in my heart of such a thing. 
I drank heartily a draft of unpleasant flavor. A great sleepiness fell across me, which was of no surprise. The herbs within the draft had been aids to sleep for thousands of years. But as I waited, drifting off to slumber, I felt pulled upwards. A great violent force wrenched me by the arms, hoisting me into the air. It was at this sensation that I became wide awake. My home was nowhere to be seen. Instead, I realized that I was within a great hall decorated with pillars made of white stone and drapes of the most elegant velvet. At first impression, I thought I was in the French courts of old, but alas, I was not. The halls were twisted and cruel, moving in ways that no human could design. My vision was clear, and I was in control of my senses. Yet I could tell this was not a dream. There were no silver creatures awaiting me in this hall. There was no throne nor servant to greet me. There was nothing but pillars and drapes moving on for what seemed to be forever. I explored for what could have been hours, but found nothing. The room seemed to move along with each of my steps. I gained no ground. There was no shift in the floor. No change. Finally, after I grew tired and cried out, there came a reply. A deep voice from within the pillar spoke to me. He spoke not in French, but in a foul language. Yet even though I was aware that he spoke not my tongue, I could understand his terrible words. You mortal have been called into my court. My last attendant in the waking has sliced the cord, fleeing his earthly body and leaving the land of dreams and in-between. He was a Frenchman, as are you. If you shall serve me in a task, there will be a reward for you. He requested me to serve as an attendant. I was a man of science, a philosopher of great nobility. I would not tolerate such a request. I told him as such. Your rank in the waking is meaningless in Giallo, the voice spoke. If you wish true power, you will do as I ask. He spoke in such terms I did not understand. But, I am ashamed to say, the promise of power was alluring. Here I was in the halls of that which appeared immortal, unmovable, perhaps even a god. Was my only concern with rank? I asked him his request. He uttered forth these blasphemous words. There is a mortal who walks the ground in the land of England. He bears the name of Arthur Cunningham. Upon his right wrist is a scar, thin like twine. Find this man and end his life. As a great reward, I shall grant you dominion over the realm of Sholoth. Go now and do as I demand. It was then that I awoke. Ten minutes had passed since I was taken into that realm. My assistant was most confused as to my sudden wakefulness. My body felt as if I had been awake the whole time. There was no weariness that comes with waking in the morning. I told him that such an experiment was nothing more than a failure, and we would speak of it no more. I burned the paper containing that foul being's invitation, and vowed to think no more of this. This shall be my last entry, speaking of any such nonsense. There is no power that can be promised to a man who commits such dark acts. The being that makes such an offer is only a liar. For if I will do as he demands, he shall, in turn, do great harm for me. The king cares not for the messenger, and I care not for that supposed king. What do you guys think? Amazing, right? Pierre Bouchard, a man of philosophy and science and, most importantly, virtue. At least, that's what we think reading the first part. He said he'd speak no more of the subject, and indeed, eight months go by in his journal before his next entry. I'm guessing he must have put this out of reach or buried it or something, because until entry three, Pierre journals everything. 
But after that encounter, nothing. Just a date. November 9th, 1804. Entry 4, however, begins July 11th, 1805. Actually, we're out of time on this show. You'll have to wait for next week's. Just kidding. (laughs) If I translated it, we're definitely going to be reading it together. Here we go. Entry 4. Giallo calls to me. I hear it in the depths of my slumber. It whispers from the voice of that pillar. He speaks such tender promises. A realm of mine. A life to live during the time of sleep. A freedom from this body. I have resisted. But I fear my resolve is weakening. I write this in the dead of night. Alone. Hidden away from my new bride. She knows not what her husband has seen. She knows not what he considers. A cold and cruel illness creeps across my uncle's body, ravaging him. The voice knows such and whispers to me, speaking of a being in Shalath who knows the answer to all of earthly medicine. That creature would be under my domain. It would be forced to bow and utter whatever secrets I demand. My uncle is the lifeblood of this family. When his heartbeat stops, so then does our estate. I am inept at business, having proven that I cannot manage land. My brothers are off serving the heir of the Republic. Louis is the only Bouchard who can keep this land alive and thriving. I have many families to look after. My new one, yes, but the wives of my idiot brothers and their daughters. Yet he lays there, dying. There are no ways to heal him, none that work at least. I forbade them to drill a hole in his head, confounded charlatans. We had never prepared for this. He was so healthy, so full of life. And the voice of that blasphemous quaroid echoes each night. I should save my uncle. Yet such a price. Murder? My uncle would never do such a thing, nor allow it to be done in his name. Yet I still have the recipe. I have the name of such a realm, Shaloth. Could I enter into that court, escape the palace, and find Shaloth on my own? I should find the being that knows such secrets and ask for mercy. But to walk into such supernatural places unaware of what faces me is foolishness. The name of Cunningham comes to me time and time again. If such a supernatural entity were to demand the blood of a mortal, would not that mortal pose some danger? Would not that mortal have power? I shall seek out this Englishman and ask for his aid in helping my uncle. God give me what I need for such an undertaking. Last one, kids. Entry 5. Dated six weeks later. Here we go. My deception has worked. Consuming the silver draft once more, I entered the courts of that terrible being. I demanded that Cora'd tell me where to find this Arthur. For a Frenchman walking about the streets of London asking questions would no doubt be cause to rise alarm. But sire, I groveled, there will be a war. Use your mighty power to find his location, and I shall slay him. And how that loathsome pillar... That entity which I suspect may have indeed been the Great Hall itself gloated about its prowess. It sent the silver nymph to my bedpost in the morning, with an address burned into her right wrist. I kissed my bride and departed. I kept no journal at the time. It was fortunate that my estate's dealings with the shipping company allowed me to take passage to England. I claim that my presence was to ensure that our cargo was being treated with the utmost respect. They paid me no mind. I provided medical care to the cook who had a most unseemly toothache, earning me a better quality of meal on that miserable trip. 
I arrived to London and rushed to the address it had been given. It was an unassuming law office. A burly man, one who looked more a deckhand than a lawyer, greeted me as I entered. I meekly inquired for Arthur, and he said he bore such a name. I asked that we speak in private, and he, ever the Englishman, invited me into his office for tea. I told him that I was a man of science and letters from abroad. He was polite and inquired if I had some legal matter to attend to, perhaps a trade dispute or a need for representation in the English courts. To test him, to ensure that he was the man I was looking for, I showed him a small slip of paper containing the recipe for the silver draft. At once, he ordered his secretary home, bolted up the door, and shuttered the windows. I was asked how I came across such a secret thing. He knew not whether to be delighted or afraid. This man, this Arthur, knew as I did that there was a place called Giallo, and that it was real. Well, that's the last entry. There's a ton more after that, but I, I couldn't translate anymore. I need more time. I promise that as soon as I have this finished, I'll put up another episode for everyone. Thanks for listening in, guys. I'm sorry it took so long to get this episode out, but as you can see, translating ancient French documents takes forever. Good news is, the next one will be coming out a lot faster. I'm really excited for what's happening here. We're making crazy strides. I'm going to get started on translating the rest right now. This is Bernard Sanderson saying, Get a physical job so you're tired in the evening and can get some sleep. Your life might depend on it. Good night, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. If you want to have one of your emails read by me on air, hop on Patreon and subscribe. Your support can help this podcast continue to grow and thrive. Check the show notes or head on over to www.whatliesbetweensleep.com for more info. And I'll see you next week.